Hello and welcome to our podcast, Life in Law, hosted by Acorn Recruitment in connection with the Swansea Junior Lawyers Division. I'm Michael Ives, Legal Recruitment Specialist, and with us today we have um, experienced in-house legal counsel, Erica Federis. Um, thank you for joining me. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really excited to um, get involved with this really great initiative. So thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries at all. Um, so tell me a bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Um, yeah, sure. So I actually uh, did undergrad law at the University of Exeter, uh, graduated in 2015, and then I went off to do the LPC with the Masters in Business at the University of Law in Bristol. Um, and then after that, I paralegaled for a little while and then got my training contract at Fatansby, which is a firm down in Southwest. Um, and then did my training contract for two years and then actually had a bit of a hiatus um, in between. And now I am in-house legal counsel at a payments company that deal with both fiat and cryptocurrencies. Interesting. So can you talk me through that transition from being a trainee and having a sort of slight hiatus to then becoming an in-house lawyer? Sure. Yeah. So it's actually um, kind of a bit of a strange journey because when I um, did my training contract, it was very real estate heavy um, because I kind of had this idea at the time that I really wanted to be a real estate lawyer. Um, but then one day there was kind of like a blanket email that was sent by an associate in our corporate department. Um, that, and he kind of said, oh, listen, have any of you got any interest in uh, blockchain and crypto? And I'd kind of invested um, some money into it before. Um, I mean, I wasn't really that kind of, I didn't really know that much about it, but I kind of just sent, sent an email back and just said, yeah, like, sure, I'd love to be involved. I didn't really know what it was going to be about, but um, it was essentially at the time kind of building up that blockchain crypto offering um, in, in my previous firm. And um, I mean, it, it was it was cut pretty short because the attitudes towards um, blockchain and crypto generally is very risk averse, especially in in law firms. But um, I kind of just fell in love with what I was doing at the time and just kind of realized that this is what I really wanted to do. And coming up to qualification when obviously that all kind of got nipped in the bud, I just said to myself, like, I'm, I'm just not really willing to go into an area of law and qualify into an area of law that. I, I wouldn't be passionate about. So that's why I took a hiatus. I was kind of like, okay, I'll just um, mill around a little bit, like see what's going on, like explore other opportunities. Um, so I actually um, went off and uh, did modeling full time for a little bit. So that's totally, totally different. Um, but I, and then I came across uh, my job now, uh, which is legal counsel for a digital payments company. And the, the way that I've, I managed to find that actually was to um, search blockchain and crypto um, mm. on um, Glassdoor because otherwise opportunities like that are just really, really few and far between. And it's just such a niche space. So it's kind of like, okay, I, I got very lucky to have found the job, but I'm, I'm really pleased I did. And I feel like kind of the stars kind of aligned for me in that way. So yeah, that's how I ended up in house. Interesting. And um, so how did you, um, so obviously you, you found after you had the hiatus you found this job so how did you um go about securing it was it was it just like a, an interview process like two stage or how was it yeah so this one was actually um it was an interview process but it was multiple interviews um yeah. so the first one was i got to meet um 
the HR manager and uh, the company GC, so the general counsel. And it was kind of basically a lot of competency questions and things like that. And then after that, they decide whether or not you're kind of like a good fit and um, you'd work well with the GC because obviously he's got to work with you um, on a daily basis. And then after that got sent an assessment. So it's just kind of two separate um, contracts that I had to review and mark up and just kind of give my comments on and stuff like that. But that one was to do with them. Um, uh, so a token listing. So the company that I'm with now had very recently kind of listed a few um, tokens or cryptocurrencies on um, their exchange. So that's what they were looking at at that time. So I guess what the GC was kind of looking for was firstly my, my technical legal skills, but secondly, kind of how I looked and um, really thought about how I would approach a very crypto crypto based problem. Um, and then after that, it was, um, once you pass that, you kind of go through a cultural fit um, interview. So you, you kind of go and meet a lot of the different people in the company and they just kind of speak to you and then go back to GC and tell, tell him whether or not, you know, they feel like you would be a good fit for the company. And then, yeah, I, I got an offer after that. So would you say that this process was quite similar to um, applying with law firms or do you think it's quite di different? Uh, absolutely not similar at all. Um, I, I think it's very, very different. So uh, the way that I guess I'm kind of um, thinking more in terms of assessment centers for training contracts as opposed to NQ jobs. Um, but for the assessment day, I remember for Fatansi, it was just a one day thing as opposed to um, the kind of several days split between uh, uh, the the different types of assessment that I had in my company now but so at Fatansi uh, the assessment day was if I can remember it was such a long time ago now um, but um, so all of us kind of went into their offices and um, everyone kind of got to meet each other all the candidates got to meet each other and then there were quite a few different tasks so the first one I remember is that you all got put into groups and then before that you were given a couple of topics to prepare um, on and just kind of like give a presentation on to the partners um, and then yeah you get put into groups and then in those groups you kind of decide between you which particular topic it is that you would like to present on and then you kind of just amalgamate all of the research that all of you had done and then you agree on who's going to say what and exactly what it is that you're going to say in the presentation um, and then after that you kind of almost got grilled I guess um, by the panel of partners kind of asking you questions as to the the things that you had presented on so say for instance um, one of the things that we had spoken about was on driverless cars and um, yeah there were just some kind of like really intense questions I think that you probably wouldn't know um, at that stage in your career so with that I, I think I remember one of the partners saying to me oh who do you think should um, should bear the liability where there has been a collision where it, a, a self-driving car hits another person or hits another car like who should bear who should bear the liability on that should it be the manufacturer of the car or should it be the other person driving the other car and it was just kind of like at the time I remember thinking oh my god I literally have no idea <laughs> but you just kind of go with it and um, yeah you just I, I guess it's not about the right answer for them it's more about 
how you um, kind of answer questions yeah. and how you think in that particular situation. And they just want to know whether or not you kind of be able to develop in the way that they, they want you to and need you to kind of throughout your training contract. So um, as nerve wracking as that was, I don't think it's as scary as it actually is. Mm. So um, yeah. How would you recommend someone stands out in that, in that kind of environment where, you know, you're ultimately you're up against a bunch of other people in these, these kind of strange assessment days? How do you yeah. stand out? Um, I mean, I think preparation is really key. Um, you, you can't really go into these things, especially if they've already given you the topics beforehand. You don't really have an excuse to not prepare and know your stuff um, for this one. And I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you're not expected to know everything and actually give all the right answers but you should know really like primarily the subject of what you're talking about and if you don't then it's kind of a big red flag so I guess that would be one of the things but in terms of really kind of standing out I think having your own thought processes and just kind of like really think thinking out of the box and not just kind of okay this is what I learned in law school this is what I'm going to regurgitate it's more I, I have learned this in law school and I, I can apply it but I also have my own my own opinions as to uh, as to the subject kind of thing and I think that's what they're really looking for there okay excellent and so um when when you started um the role you're in now so first day in what what big changes did you notice day to day from working in a law firm to moving in house yeah um so there's no billable hours <laughs> a massive massive thing obviously because um in private practice we all know it's kind of like okay you need to hit a certain amount of billable hours per mm. uh, day or per week and if you don't it kind of sometimes it can cause a lot of stress like even if you know that there's not a lot of work milling around it tends to fall on you as a trainee or as an NQ to kind of just go and speak to your partners go and speak to the other associates and say hey listen like I've got capacity can you give me a bit of work but if there's no work that's that's kind of not really it's not your fault but there is still that kind of I guess anxiety that comes with that because if you don't hit those hours then you don't hit those hours and even if it's not your fault it's just the numbers are there so yeah I think that's probably one of the biggest things but I think another would be that you are really really thrown in at the deep end um yeah. with in-house especially being a junior as well and an NQ um NQ junior council because it's not it's very much um a case of kind of like your legal teams are a lot smaller than um, uh, in comparison to kind of being in private practice where it's a lot more structured. You've got a bigger team and in terms of supervision, you've kind of got that hierarchy of, okay, you're an NQ and then you've got your either solicitor or, senior, uh, or associate above you or above the associate, senior associate's partner and then the, the kind of supervision trickles down from there. But with in-house, it is very much um, your, okay, your legal counsel, your next in line is your general counsel. And it's kind of like a lot of the responsibility tends to fall on you that you probably wouldn't even really think about touching as an NQ in private practice, I think. So um, it's, it's quite scary, but at the same time, if you like that variety and if you like having that kind of free, more, more freedom over the type of work that you do, then I would kind of say that's that's probably a, a plus for working yeah. in-house 
What what would um <clears throat> what would kind of an average day look like for you? Oh, there there is definitely no average day. It's it's all very very different. It kind of depends on on what comes in, I guess. So sometimes you you might have to deal with um, really big employment issues that you just have to deal with it on an urgent on an urgent basis, or you have to deal with some commercial matters. Um, something goes sour with commercial negotiations, or we want to try and, and you know uh, get out of a contract that just we probably shouldn't have entered into in the first place kind of things that predate you almost I guess um and but there's also things like it 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 depends on what the business is kind of wanting to do next so for us because we're a financial institution we tend to kind of have to look at licensing and things like that and especially being um being an international um kind of entity as well so we have to look at different jurisdictions and whether or not we actually comply with the regulatory requirements in the particular jurisdictions and if not then why not and we need to kind of fix that and we need to make those applications to the relevant kind of financial authorities um so yeah it, it all just really varies i mean yeah i've been involved in a lot of licensing applications but on top of that also um facilities agreements so borrowing and borrowing and lending but it's not just kind of normal borrowing and lending agreements because there's also that layer of it's cryptocurrency borrowing and lending and then also kind of derivatives agreements and again it's not just your usual commodities and your usual derivatives it's also it's their crypto derivatives which is which are very very new and you really need to kind of be able to navigate your way around that so um i i don't think it's everyone's cup of tea i would say um because it's 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 not a very certain area of law we're working with gray areas um and we're working around gray areas a lot but i mean i i think it's really exciting because it's kind of like uh you're a part of something that's really developing and and it's quite pioneering and because it's very new it's just kind of all you just don't know where it's going to go um it's stressful but it's also fun at the same time i think yeah and it sounds like you have your fingers in a lot of pies as well in terms of the the kind of areas of law that you cover and it, it, it kind of touches upon a debate we've had in previous podcasts the um the benefits of um being really strong in one area of law or um having sort of lots of string lots of strings to your bow and knowing sort of yeah. lots of different areas of law it sounds like we're in-house role it'd be really ideal for somebody who sort of knows a lot about different areas of law is, is that right yeah yeah no absolutely it's but it's also kind of like it sounds really scary because obviously you go into your training contract and then you have um, experience in certain areas and you might not necessarily have experience in employment or corporate or commercial and things like that but I mean initially I was really like oh my god I literally have no idea because I was very real estate based and then after that I did a little bit of blockchain and crypto but other than that you know I I don't really have a clue but you you kind of learn on the job and not only that you also have external counsel to kind of um help you cross the t's and dot the i's kind of thing and um that's actually one of the things that my our general counsel said to me and when i first started he was kind of like look i know you're from private practice and you guys are used to kind of doing everything like by the book and stuff like that but um he kind of said to me that our job is to just kind of get everything done like obviously we have to dip our toes in a lot of different areas and we're not expected to be experts in all of those areas and that's why we appoint a panel a panel solicitors a panel lawyers really to kind of 
make sure that everything that we're doing firsthand is correct. So if, if we maybe have a stab at a really, really big um, commercial agreement. So for instance, we've, we've recently um, uh, announced a partnership with MasterCard and the, the commercial agreement, that was really, really big. And it's something that I had never come across before, but it was kind of like, okay, we'll have a stab at this, obviously like have a look at it for your own kind of learning purposes. And obviously for us, you need to review, um, review the agreement and comment on the agreement, but send it over to external counsel as well. And if they have any additional comments and if you've missed anything out, then they will kind of be the ones to, um, to complete the whole set, I suppose. So, yeah, so you learn a lot, um, not just kind of from, uh, the general counsel, but also, you know, you work with a lot of different lawyers in different areas and um, yeah, it's just kind of, it's, it, it sounds scary, but it's not that scary. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of sort of your own career development, is, is there like a set path you can go in how to progress? Um, I think it depends on the company. Um, so for us, because we're quite small, um, I think the next thing would be I guess just get a bit of year, years of experience under your belt and then you could then probably um, <clears throat> proceed to go on and be general counsel. But I think in other companies, if the progression is a little bit more um, kind of uh, not, not quite so like A to B as opposed to kind of A, B, C, D, you know. And, um, so you can be junior counsel and then you progress onto legal counsel and then from legal counsel you progress pro progress onto senior counsel and then maybe associate counsel and then general counsel it kind of just depends on how big the organization is so. i suppose it's quite similar to private practice where some have the associate senior associate partner some, yeah. have some, some in between some take them out yeah so it depends yeah, what, no, on the on the sheer number of people well, yeah absolutely i found that actually because at for Anstey, where i was before it's um so you are a trainee and then as an NQ you're then given the title of solicitor and then after a couple of years I think you then go on to become associate and then senior associate and so on but here in London it's you are a trainee and then once you qualify you are an associate straight away so it's kind of I don't know it's yeah like you say it's it's kind of similar in a sense that it just depends on where you are have you noticed a big difference between being a, um, a lawyer in London as opposed to being a lawyer down in Southwest? Um, I would say so, but only because of the seats that I was doing. Um, mm. So as a real estate lawyer, I guess you, you're, you're very focused on um, the, your real estate law. Whereas here, I think there is that expectation that you not only have to know kind of your area um, specifically, but you also have to know about um, how corporations work, like kind of general corporate structures and stuff like that. And um, like commercial, general commercial knowledge as well. I, 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 and by general commercial, I don't just mean general commercial law. I mean, kind of general commercial insofar as you should probably read the financial times and stuff like that in order to give you a, an overall holistic view of what it is that you're looking at on that day um so i i, I would say that those two would probably be the main differences in terms of practicing in the regions and here in the city okay brilliant and um <clears throat> so say there's a law student listening to this now and they're like yeah i'm really keen to 
to go in-house and deal with all these different matters. What, what sort of seats would you recommend they do for the LLB and LPC and what kind of tips would you give them to get there? Yeah, um, definitely corporate. Like that's yeah. so, so important um, because you, you just kind of have to deal with <clears throat> the general like corporate filings and stuff like that. Um, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you'll have external counsel to help you out with that, but it's, it's, it's good knowledge for you to know um, all of that type of stuff. Um, commercial law, um, for sure, definitely, because you, you will come across a hell of a lot of commercial contracts, um, regardless of whether or not, you know, it's specifically for um, whatever um, kind of area your business works in, you will still get those commercial contracts, like, say, for instance, outsourcing agreements, um, licensing, um, any use of IT, um, any marketing agreements, stuff like that. It's really, really good to have a foundation um, of commercial law to actually be able to navigate through those. Like, and I cannot stress that enough. Um, I think possibly almost as an optional, I think maybe employment law is a really, it's another really big thing. But again, you know, you've got your external lawyers to kind of help you out with those types of stuff as well. But yeah, a, a good working knowledge of that would also be helpful i think i suppose maybe like landlord and commercial property as well i, I guess yeah yes yeah. so actually that's really that's such a strange thing because so we've obviously got a few commercial leases not just here in the uk but um <clears throat> also in um, other jurisdictions like singapore and the us and stuff like that and when the coronavirus hit i mean i'd never really had to since i started it, my job i'd never had to deal with commercial leases but given the pandemic it's obviously well i mean no nobody can go into the office so what would be the point in paying for your commercial leases and your commercial space if you're not going in so it, it was almost kind of like a mix of um making use of my real estate grounding from my training contract but also the commercial side of things because the main thing that we were looking at there was the force force majeure clauses to obviously see whether or not you know we can try and either um, negotiate a better deal for uh, the lease or we can get out the lease um, as a whole. So yeah, that was, that was probably one of the more interesting experiences I've had since COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And that's all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Erica. I really enjoyed hearing about Erica's journey and how she ended up in-house. Um, interesting to know that you need a good broad knowledge of multiple areas of law and need to move away from the more structured private practice cultures to succeed but it sounds very rewarding that you get to tackle different issues day to day with no two days being the same however potentially it sounds like the downsides of it are that you're a little more thrown in the deep end and it sounds like in, in terms of a sort of a structured career progression it might not be as clear-cut as a law firm but it does probably depend on the size of the company you end up joining i hope to have more content soon take care thank you for listening <laughs>